Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast number 65. I'm your first host, Big Cello. And I'm your third host, Little Corey. D is still out. He'll be back with us tomorrow. So you get your regular programming normalcy when he gets back. We're looking forward to having him back. Yeah, for sure. So I guess we're going to do like what? Like one more mini-ish roundtable and then we'll just go back to our normal format when D, D comes back. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty good. We've got a few things to talk about this show, so it's not going to be directly to the interview. So, we'll discuss some things, bullshit a little bit, get to the interview, call it a day. A show. But first, escrow my visits. It's super fast, it's super easy, and it only takes three steps. Just register and deposit your Bitcoin, seller ships the item, buyer checks the goods, and then they release the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So I'm talking euros, I'm talking yen, USD, they got you covered. And Father's Day is coming up, so if you want to go fishing with your dad and uh, and uh, gain some memories of a good good childhood, then why don't you use escrowmybiz.com and send them something. Um your funds are kept in, in a secure two of three multi-signature transaction where they only hold one key, so you don't have to worry about anything. Their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. And me and Corey, we don't want you to have any excuses on why not to use escrow. So start the escrow process by going to their website and uh, sign up for the newsletter and stay up to date on all the cool happenings over at escrowmybits.com. Uh, so I guess the, uh, the elephant in the room is uh, this nasty to the moon price rocket that we got going on let's yeah, talk about that man, it's uh it's moving it's moving and you see like there's a lot of the bitcoin markets subreddits and like the it's, what's funny is that a few months ago everyone's so happy of the the stability of the price right everyone's like look how stable bitcoin is it's more stable than gold and then right. the price rise comes <laughs> and like we're going to the moon immediately <laughs> So, well, I, I guess that has to attribute to the good nature of the community. You know, when it's not going up, they find the silver lining. And then when it goes to the moon, they're also happy. So it's just win-win. Well, I think that it's been somewhat undervalued for a long time. And in anticipation of the happening, um, China putting a lot of their their value into Bitcoin right now because it's the best place for them to hold their value based on what's happening to their currency. Um, among other things, it's like I, I'm really curious to see what happens during the happening, like when 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 the um, the mining reward gets cut in half. For those who don't know what the happening is, uh, and how the price is affected, and whether like where the next normal price range will be because you saw it shoot to 1200 whatever whatever it shot to in the past and then you saw it fluctuate back and forth and then we settled around 450 for a long time 450 to 500 and just over the past couple days 
the past week, we've seen a drastic price increase. We're sitting around 646 right now at the time of recording. And it's continuing to show a lot of strength. Um, every time the price dips, it gets bought right back up, which means that people are willing to buy. The buy order book of Bitcoin is very deep. And anytime the price drops, people are gobbling it up because is it speculation, anticipation? Uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but it's probably the beginning of another bubble. But what when that bubble pops and what it pops down to, I'm really curious to see. Well, do you think that the Chinese are are buying because they can leverage the hell out of this and ride it up or down? Is it just you know gambling culture, or no. is the whole? You don't think it is? No, I don't think the, the 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 Chinese aspect of this is a gambling culture. I think it's a um, hoarding culture in that, even regardless of what the Bitcoin price does, if it stays at its current valuation or higher, they're better off than they are with than they than they are putting their money in their in their current fiat. So if they're going to hold value for a certain for a long period of time, they're better off even putting it into what would be relatively volatile Bitcoin than what they currently are. What they can currently do right now, and if I'm wrong about this, I want someone to try and write in and tell me because, based on my current understanding, this is by far a better investment than holding your money in in the Chinese yuan. Yeah, and uh, you know, it also has like a, a fixed uh, inflationary rate until like it eventually becomes a fixed supply. So, the more people that use it, the higher the price will go until it reaches some kind of steady saturation rate. Yeah. Um, and then I was reading. Uh, this this one guy on this forum said that he wondered because the answer became obvious. You know what's going to happen to Bitcoin when the electric grid no longer functions properly, and in some nations it won't be functioning at all. So he's saying saving gold instead of uh, you know this whole cryptocurrency. So there's there's a, a great divide that this price is uh, creating. What grid? The ele- like electricity won't work anymore. Yeah, is that a thing? No. <laughs> I wonder why you said that. Well, I mean, it's it's a possibility that's cur- that some infrastructure will fail and that some places will be without electricity. But the, with the with the increase in renewable ser- renewable renewable energies such as solar, wind, turbine, all the all the different ways you can push a turbine essentially, as opposed to solo solar, even places that don't have power grids will end up having power grids because they get to leapfrog the technology of what are traditional ways of you know burning coal or something like that to produce power, nuclear power plants, things like that. So a lot of huts don't have power. So they, you know, like, you know, rural places in the middle of Africa or India or places that, you know, don't have very good um, infrastructure in, in, in where they live, they have solar power or of some sort. And, you know, they, they, they're, they're leapfrogging people bringing power, traditional power lines into their city by putting solar energy there. And they have, yeah. you know, the same thing for um, like cell phones. They've leapfrogged traditional landline cell phone services, you know, phone services, and just have cell phones. The same thing's going to go with with how this works with uh, electricity. So, mm-hmm. if that's always there, you can always send Bitcoin or hold your value in Bitcoin and send Bitcoin transactions. You can broadcast. If you can broadcast a transaction, then it's a part of the network. You don't have to be on a ridiculously high, fast latency machine to, to, like, participate in this global experiment. I guess it's just fear mongering. I guess we just, you can either choose to ignore it or choose to buy into it. Yeah. 
So I guess if people are wondering and they're listening to the show, uh, in fact, I saw someone on Dimitri's Facebook who was like, oh, the price is at 600. I should have bought more when it was 300. Well, why don't you buy in now before it reaches 900? You know what I'm saying? So uh, what do you think? <laughs> do you think people should buy right now? I mean, the well, I mean, shit, think about what? us. We bought in when it was around 800. I, bought, I was buying Bitcoin when it was like at uh, 1,050. So I don't want to hear anyone complain. Yeah, and, but it's you're still in it. You're not, you're not in it because you're waiting to get your money back. Like that Absolutely got you, not. That's got your foot in the door. And which right. the more and more you've understood the technology, you've, you've you have a, you have a fucking podcast about Bitcoin now. Yeah, and it, you know, I I attribute the extra money I paid to acquire Bitcoin as like a an entrance fee. That's fine because I know so much more about the technology, and I guess once you get so enthralled in the technology and you stop caring about the price, I think that's like the tipping point. That's like, oh, okay. So I think once you stop caring about the price, then you've arrived. Yeah, you were talking about this before we started. Before we started the recording, what were you? you what were you saying? Say so what? You started talking about this type of this this idea before we started the recording of um, when you when you started Bitcoin, you only cared about the price, what the price was doing, and where it's, where it's going to go, and how much money you could make. And now you're go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, Dimitri you know, even pitched it to me that way because Dimitri got me involved in Bitcoin in 2013, and he was like, "Hey, man, just invest a couple hundred bucks, and we could be millionaires. We can buy boats." And I'm like, "Oh <laughs> shit!" And uh, usually, I don't fall for like, I was like, "That's a Ponzi scheme." But you know, Dimitri, I've never seen Dimitri this excited before, and so I sat down and he kind of showed me all these documents. And I was like, "All right, let's go get our boats and yachts and shit." And so then, uh, you know, that that led to mining, and then the podcast just kind of evolved, and now I'm just. I mean, I'm, I'm reading about real estate, um, the process of real estate getting streamlined by the use of blockchains. And I'm just like, whoa, like every week I'm just reading about how this technology is just making life easier for everybody in all parts of the world and in all these different situations. It's so much more about just being rich and hoarding Bitcoin for me at this point. Yeah, it's nice to see that it's, it's I, almost the natural progression of how things, how things work. People come in as a... Um, Potential, potential investors of like, well, it's a new technology. It may blow up based on, you know, deflationary model of currency. If it gets really popular, I should probably come in now. And as they get some and they start to play with it, they then realize that of the ridiculous potential it has to disrupt all kinds of different things. And I guess like we're seeing it even outside of Bitcoin with, you know, Ethereum is now the on everyone's radar and how it's forming alliances with a lot of different large companies and becoming really use, a really useful tool in the cryptocurrency community. But uh, what I wanted to kind of talk about is people think Bitcoin is boring or it's going to be overtaken or um, its development is, sta- is stagnated. And I was listening to um, Andreas and I think her name is Stephanie. The other, the other host of uh, let's 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 talk Bitcoin. Um, discuss the like almost the preposterousness of of thinking that Bitcoin is is stagnant and boring with its development. There's a lot of things that are going on. Um, they're just not really talked about because the developers don't blast it all over social media every time they do something, and the use cases and efficacy of Bitcoin and the security and how well it works are well underway to becoming even better than they have been in the past. Increasing the transaction network and 
and so on and, and providing different use cases other than being just a currency in the future they, they continue to develop in this in this way and it's I think in the near future we're going to see a lot of that hype come back to Bitcoin when they start releasing things and we're, we're seeing people use it the way they kind of wanted to use it in the, in the past yeah I guess the naysayers are like, well, it's it's not going to, I guess, because, you know, more than 50% of the mining power is held by two pools, both in China, who can conclude any time they want to determine what the network does, that's a fail. And then legal recognition as a valid asset in any jurisdiction is also a fail. So other than that, it's a global payment system, but they're just LOLing on these stupid forums and, you know, they don't see it as a valid payment system. We've talked about the idea that there's so many people on the internet who all have an equal voice mm. and the dumb ones are usually the loudest and if you Absolutely. spend a lot of time trying to listen to everything that everybody says on the internet and not vet where the source is coming from then you're going to have a bad time <laughs> that's, that's all there is to it if you do that yeah. with anything on the internet you're going to have a bad time yeah. If you believe the first thing you read from whoever says it, then you're just going to be walking around spouting terrible information. Uh, there's a lot of really, really, really good development going on with Bitcoin. There's a lot of really, really, really good development going on with Ethereum. There's a lot of really good development going on with other coins that we don't talk about. But That's true. Under As it stands currently, Bitcoin is still by far the largest, most secure, usable blockchain there is because of the network behind it, the proof of work that's currently being used, regardless of how centralized it may be. And its ability, it, its time and time ability to be a zombie in that people keep saying it's dead and then six months later they come back around and, oh, that's still going on? It's like, yeah, it's going to continue to keep going on. It's not dead. It won't be dead. It'll just fix whatever problem it may have. Bitcoin, I guess Andreas talks makes this analogy, like he always does, as a failing to scale. Mm -hmm. Right? There is no insight to scaling. It's only a it's only at what can you do right now? Are you capable of doing right now? And then what do you fail to do right now? And so you continue to push the innovation to fix what you can't do right now. But when you achieve that, you still can't do the next hardest thing, right? So right. like with if you take the internet as, as an analogy, it started out as only being able to do, you know, certain simple messages, email, so on and so forth. And then, you know, thinking about doing a video conferencing over the internet when the internet was first started was ridiculous because we didn't have the bandwidth to do something like this. And right. so if you think about it, the internet had failed at that point. Well, no shit. We didn't have the technology, but it continued It continued to evolve over and over and over and over again. And now we're able to do a podcast over the internet, do video conferencing all over the world. The bandwidth is there. The, in, the infrastructure, the underlying protocols have been patched and fixed and all these different things to make them work. And now we can do whatever, almost whatever we want to do. We can't do 4K streaming over the internet. Well, I guess the internet's failed again. That's true. In order to do a podcast back in the day, you need like a mixing board and like a studio. You don't need to do that shit anymore. 
And so uh, I guess Andreas calls this a um, eloquent failing or like, you know, failing to what's he, what's he call it? Essentially, it's, it's a nice way of failing. If you just continue to fail softly and push the innovation, then you're a successful protocol as long as you can still do the things that you've always been able to do and then slowly push that limit more and more and more. And that's what we're seeing with Bitcoin. I just think that yep. some of that innovation is going to get pushed to other cryptocurrencies and we're going to use them for what they're good for. Ethereum is good for a lot of things and we're going to see it being used for those things. Well, check it out. Like, so like the guest that we have today, uh, Moritz, he heard about Bitcoin in 2013. So instead of just buying Bitcoin and hoping to get rich, he became excited about the possibilities of using decentralized consensus systems and blockchain technology. And then he went ahead and just built a new socioeconomic system. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just people that are just so innovative and are using this technology. As soon as they hear about it, they're like, well, what can I use this to, to build next? How can I innovate the future? What, you know, I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to see, Everyone has problems. They're, everyone's trying to find a problem to solve, or they have this they have this understanding of a current space and where it lacks in certain like what the problems of that space are based on their their viewpoint or the lens they see it through. And right now, everyone's trying to apply blockchain to that problem to see how this new technology could possibly fix what problems they may see. And for some of those problems, it's going to be a really a really good fit. And we're seeing that now. Um, so I guess we can talk this talk about this a little bit more after the interview, but I think we might want to get into it. Uh, before we get into this interview, I have something that is super important to talk about uh, above all things that we've talked about today. What's that? How's Time Cop? Oh, dude, Time Cop? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, still, I'm still for Bloodsport as, as the better movie. But there are lessons to be learned from Time Cop. Very true. Very <laughs> there true. are important things that need to be understood from, from watching Time Cop. I, I feel like they should show that in every public school at some point. <laughs> as you put, as you put right. it on, the, on Twitter, it's so good. Cartman even bought three copies of it at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I don't even want one copy at nine ninety eight. But yeah, if you see Time Cop at Walmart, scoop that shit up. It's a good movie. Get three and copies of it. Show your friends. Yeah, get three. <laughs> get the get the three right, copy uh, pack. <laughs> um, so I, I guess like Corey was saying is like we got this uh, this guy who was interested in Bitcoin, and then he, like he transitioned to like Ethereum. So now uh, he kind of grew this uh, Ethereum development course at a residential program called the Exophere Academy in uh, Corey's home country. Not home country, but the country you live in now. It's in yeah. Chile. Um, and it's supported by Consensus and Ethereum Lab, so it's super legit. Um, and uh, we got Philip Saunders, who teaches it, and we got Moritz Bierling, who is the curator, and they are voracious readers. They're enthusiastic amateur debaters, and these guys enjoy hands-on, gloves-off exchange of controversial ideas they're now focusing their efforts on creating and nurturing new learning institutions. And those learning institutions marry deep reflections with real world experience. Uh, the class starts in about a month and it's an eight week course. And if you're interested, well then, uh, you know, keep your, uh, keep the play button going and you can hear all about it. All right. So let's get into it. 
Here it is. Sure. All right. Um, all right. So uh, when I first got wind that I was going to do this interview, I did a little research, and uh, I read that you both, uh, you know, earlier in your life dropped out of university, and, and now you're curating and instructing a two-month developmental course. Uh, you you got to see the irony there a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about the course. Uh, uh, in addition to that, tell us a little bit about uh, Exophere Academy and, um, you know, the whole nine. Just tell people a little bit about it and how it came about. Sure, I guess I'll start then. Um, yeah, so the the course that we are doing is called the Ethereum Stream at Exosphere Academy. And the Academy is uh, a new edition of our new pro of our program that we've been doing for the past three years, um, so-called boot camps. Uh, they have been focusing mostly on entrepreneurship and uh, technology, but now we've kind of shifted the focus a little bit away from that and towards what we call the creative economy. And so this new program is divided into five different streams. And one of them is the Ethereum stream where we, where we will be teaching um, Ethereum development, so Solidity, smart contract development, uh, distributed apps, and all that shebang. So that's kind of the, the little bit about the Academy. And uh, yeah, Philip, do you want to say something about that? Yeah, so, um, well, I mean, the course, uh, it's going to be mostly focused on um, development and, and, you know, practice on, write, on writing smart contracts. But um, I think what we're trying to you know, emphasizes, you know, constant practice with, with, you know, writing contracts with, um, you know, putting them on the blockchain with, with um, designing contract systems. Um, so we have um, six badges. So, uh, so basically um, people who are part of the course, they can, um, you know, they can complete badges for different, um, you know, different skill sets. You know, we have a two week, you know, full on intensive solidity course. Um, it's actually a course I've designed myself. It's called Thinking in Solidity, and um, the main point is to, um, you know, to help people to, um, you know, to really, you know, understand Solidity from the inside out. Um, but we're also going to be working with with things like Eris, you know, to help with, uh, you know, private blockchains, um, and also kind of working with DAOs, with with uh, DApps, with the, you know the Web three JS, um, you know, libraries, so that people can. Uh, you know, build build apps. I'll be able to work with, um, you know, like with smart contracts, but to be able to build, you know, single page web applications. And um, so, yeah, so I think that's pretty much an overview. But I mean, I think the approach that we're taking is that we want to make it as much about, um, you know, what the applicants themselves, you know, are looking to build. So like whether they're looking to, you know, get into Internet of Things or they're into, you know, mining or they're into just pure, adapt development like we're just going to shape the course um like to what to their specification and what they're looking to and so my job i guess um you know as as a programmer myself as a web developer programmer um is to really take all the kind of the information uh you know in ethereum and just just sort of specify to um to what they need so, so yeah i think that's pretty good pretty good summary Right on. So, like, there's there's only a limited number only a limited number of spots available. How many how many spaces are left, and what's that looking like in terms of uh, your upcoming session? Um, yeah. So currently, we we are aiming for thirty people. We're uh, already two thirds to uh, of the way there. Um, 
the 30 people is for the whole academy. Um, and so right now the Ethereum stream is actually the most demanded stream that we've been, uh, um, yeah, advertising. We already have eight people signed up and many more people are currently going through the application process. So if you want to get into it, then you would have to apply very quickly. Yeah, that's nice. Um, but also, into classes. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, we, because, yeah, in the university where I uh, studied, I studied philosophy and economics first, dropped out after one semester, and then the second studies I did was a dual study program uh, in a kind of private business school. Um, and at the first university, I had always like 50, um, 50 students in a, uh, like for one course uh, where it was more, uh, private they said or, or more oh, yeah that's definitely then, the idea indeed. is like the you know the, the small classes are around 50 i have a phd and i've i've kind of run the whole gamut of coursework right right but the 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 real big ones were like multiple hundred people oh, yeah. in the aula and so like there's not much room to to really uh give individual treatment to the students um so that's the one part that we are trying to uh, change with our model to make it more uh, more available or not more available but more easy to give people uh, a more individual uh, treatment and yeah so it's so definitely like I mean, it's, it, it plays to the type of work that you're trying to teach and that uh, yeah. skill sets like this are always best developed when you learn by doing and you can't do that really well with really large sizes well right. I think what I think what Exosphere is trying to do um, you know just on you know on a kind of a large scale um you know, we're trying to develop kind of an entrepreneurial mindset and a kind of a creative mindset. I mean, I studied in, in you know, I'm from Ireland and I studied in, in UCC and, uh, you know, I, I did English and applied mathematics. And I think that's the sort of, um, you know, the ability to kind of, you know, think creatively about, um, you know, what you're trying to build, but also to have the kind of the technical skills. Um, I think that's kind of important because, you know, like if, if, like with Ethereum, it, there's not so much like an established path. And I think there's a lot of people who are, um, you know, innovating, who create new things. And so you have to be able to, you know, think very creatively about what you want to build. And um, and with a lot of stuff like that, you know, there's a lot of workarounds that you have to do that you can't really, you know, for example, you know, a lot of people were asking myself and they were, they were saying, well, you know, do contracts, do they... Um, you know, act autonomously and there's a lot of stuff about you know daos and uh, i you know I, I i i'm telling a lot of people that well you know contracts are are reactive and they don't have any kind of they're not kind of autonomous in the sense that that you know they act on their own so but there's a way you can work around that which is you can have you know oracles and timers um and different things so there's with a lot of stuff with solidity because it's in a, it's in a kind of an early stage um, there's a lot of features that aren't implemented yet in the language, so you have to be able to, um, you know, work around that and, and just be able to kind of, you know, with, uh, um, you, you know, working with, with strings and different things, you have to be able to kind of work around that. So that's that's the, the approach we're going to take and, and um, yeah, take that approach. I mean, the problem is that, or not a problem, but the interesting thing about Ethereum is that it's still so much a frontier. I mean, it's it's... They're first in it's in the second stage um, that they've laid out and there are so few people who really know how to work with it that it's really difficult to to build a uh, certified course or something that is um, where where no parts are moving anymore so what we're doing is we're 
having this batch system, this open batch system that Mozilla, the Mozilla Foundation um, came up with, um, that serves to structure the learning where people can more um, think for themselves what they want to accomplish, where they want to go, what skills they want to learn after they've gone through the kind of the basic, um, the basic solidity training, and then we'll help them build their projects uh, rather than kind of staying in classes all the time. So then I, I guess pre-existing knowledge with, with coding would be recommended. I mean, so, I mean, if I can enroll in the class, whether I'm a full stack developer or a complete beginner, I would imagine that there's, there's not a wide gap of discrimination if I'm in that class, correct? Well, we have, um, there's two streams. So there's, there's I mean, two streams kind of related. There's the coding stream and then there's the Ethereum stream. So like normally like with Exosphere, we kind of recommend for people who are uh, starting out as developers that they go into the coding stream. But um, but yeah, the app, I think, yeah, you're right. So the applicants into Ethereum, like mostly kind of experienced developers who are, um, you know, interested in Ethereum, they're looking to maybe, uh, you know, apply their skills um, in a new way. Because I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people say like Solidity is similar to JavaScript. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, C developers, you know, JavaScript developers, like just basically um, people from that background who are just looking to, uh, you know, find out about Ethereum development to kind of practice on on the on the platform. And there's a few people actually who um, they've already learned, you know, some Ethereum, but I think part of the value is I think, um, you have a community of people and you're, you're kind of surrounded by other people who are building their projects. Um, and that's, that's a huge part of it as well, because, um, you know, you can, you know, within Exosphere, there's people in other streams who are, who are, you know, doing, you know, user interfaces, they're doing, you know, business. So you can, you know, network with other people in Exosphere and you can form teams and you can build projects. And, um, I mean, actually at the end of the course, like there's, you know, about maybe a two week period where, you know, most of the, like most of the, the first month will be kind of purely like learning how to um, like learn the language and just set, you know, all the fundamentals. And then the second month we kind of shift more into more, you know, DAP development and kind of using the skills that they've learned, um, you know, to build whatever applications that they want to build, you know, whether it's IOT, you know, uh, financial, like whatever, whatever it is that they want to build. But at the last two weeks, um, you know, they can, they can partner with, you know, people in UI or coding, um, maybe someone in coding might be more interested in front-end app, uh, front app development and they can handle more of the, you know, contract design. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the approach that we're going to take, which is, uh, um, you know, just, uh, you know, that they can, um, that they can just practice and then they can partner with others. Yeah. So if we could maybe shift a little bit into the, I guess, specifics of, Solidity and such. You, you mentioned Java and JavaScript, and Solidity is very similar in terms of it's a scripting language, so it's automatically going to be somewhat similar in syntax. How how different is Java from Solidity, and and like how do you feel about the language in general? I think um, there's JavaScript, a lot of script, not Java. Sorry. Yeah, JavaScript. There's there's I think Solidity is kind of a mixture. I mean, the original language is you know EVM. Uh, you know the Ethereum virtual machine, and then like initially there was uh, there was LLL, and I think there's which is Lisp-like language, and then there's Serpent, which is more Python. Um, I think Solidity is going to be the main 
language that's supported by the foundation, but it's it's kind of like a mixture between JavaScript and, and C, um, because you have a couple of types like structs and different things that aren't in JavaScript. And there's a few things like, um, you know, JavaScript, it's, it's um, you know, Solidity is statically typed and JavaScript, you don't have to, you know, worry about anything like that. So there's a couple of differences um, that maybe people who are coming from web development will be kind of surprised by, maybe some things they'll have to learn. Um, and then there's just a few things that, you know, um, because the, the language isn't fully developed, like it, it isn't quite developed in Solidity yet. So um, again, there's a lot of, you know, workarounds that we, we kind of, we, we kind of do with that and we, we, we help people. Out. I mean, they're, um, so yeah, I think that's probably the best way to like, kind of like a mixture between C and JavaScript. Right on. And you also touched on the idea that it's, it's because Ethereum is in such a frontier. I mean, it's not the frontier release, but it's it is a frontier in terms of development. The people who come into your your program are going to be interested in a very very broad amount of things, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of comes from it if you give them a fun foundational understanding of what Solidity can do and how to use it, and then allow them to try and build their ideas while you help them. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot of people who are interested in, um, I mean, anyone who's interested in crypto, like if you're in, interested in Bitcoin, um, you know, you have maybe some interest in disrupting the financial system. So like a lot of people, like I, I, I always say to people that, you know, um, what Bitcoin is to money, Ethereum is to law. So um, a lot of people who are interested or maybe um, looking to disrupt the legal system, who are interested in kind of governance and different things like that, so um, we, we, I think that the kind of applicants that we have are people who are, um, you know, maybe f philosophically oriented, like they think about the, you know, they think about the world and they think about how Ethereum can, can disrupt the legal system, you know, contracts. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of lost track of your question, but I've, but yeah, I think that's that's kind of no, no real question, just yeah. pointing things out. <laughs> uh, we. I can give a little more uh, background on the people who have applied so far. So it's been quite interesting to see that it's, they come from a very wide variety, uh, not only from um, in terms of uh, the, the countries that they come from, but also in terms of the age range. So it actually has clustered more around 30 and, and upwards rather than uh, earlier, which I didn't expect be, uh, before starting this thing. But uh, the oldest one we have so far is 50, and uh, then we have a 36-year-old and two 30-year-olds. 131 year old and then a couple of uh, 20, 20 mid 20 ones uh, mid 20s and so uh, many of them have already a lot of development experiences some of them are taking ethereum development as their next professional step um, and then uh, several of them also have very philosophical alignment with what ethereum is doing rather than kind of this is the next thing i want to do professionally so one of them is for example doing the newmundo.org um, he's helping them develop communities all over the world that are sustainable and he wants to work with uh, ethereum to make the platform for their community management uh, integrate with ethereum hmm. that's pretty cool and then uh, also the the younger crowds can take advantage of these uh these special badges that consensus uh, kind of partnered up with you that uh, are credit specific contributions. And so that has to be great for seeking internships, right? 
Right, right. So we did a partnership with them that will help individuals who want to work with consensus perhaps in the future or also just benefit from having that recognition um, contribute to project that they are doing and then earn a badge for that so that afterwards um, they can show that to anybody that wants to work with them, be that an employer or a potential partner in their ventures, in their own ventures, um, or of course also an internship in consensus. Although I have to say that this is not a guarantee that they will get one, but rather that it's uh, a, a huge bonus or a huge plus when they apply. Absolutely. And and then if I could just talk about the workforce as a whole, um, yeah. in, in about I don't know, three, four years, it's estimated that over 50% of the full-time workforce, we're going to be freelancers or we're going to be in a gig-based economy. Obviously, you guys are advocates for this and, and preparing the next generation to take action. I guess, first, what is causing this shift in autonomous employment? And, and second, Philip, I guess, tailored more for you, how is a company like PAX taking steps to create a high-trust environment? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I suppose the internet, I mean, even since, um, you know, the 90s, I think it was the start of, of you know, a huge change in, in, you know, how we interact, how we communicate. And I think we're, you know, that's, it took over, um, you know, marketplaces, you, you know, you had Amazon, eBay. Um, and I think with, with, you know, Bitcoin, you started seeing um, the internet begin to affect the financial system. And I think um, when it comes to kind of, legal institutions i think ethereum is kind of the last thing that the internet is going to disrupt um so um so yeah i mean when it comes to the gig economy um i think you know because people cooperate across borders um in a situation like that there's there's often there's not like a legal basis or a way to kind of guarantee contracts that people can enter into safely um you know, in the same way that people can, you know, go into a contract like in the same country and they can, um, you know, have that enforceable and they can have the security of that. So with Ethereum, you can have self-enforcing contracts um, that you can make an agreement with another human being and you can say, well, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do this, do this work for you and, and we'll, you know, the contract itself will guarantee that, um, you know, for example, if, if a conditional isn't met, you can, you can implement um, you know, different consequences from that. Um, so it, it kind of does a lot of the things that legal contracts do, but with without the kind of the, um, you know, the intermediaries, without, you know, having to rely on trust as much, without having to, um, you know, do, you, you know, basically have a lot of those problems, you know, you, you don't have to rely so much on notaries. And, and even if there is a dispute, um, you can resolve it much more quickly because there's an objective proof on the blockchain of everything that's happened. So, you know, there's not so much the need to hire like a lawyer for 200,000 or to wait kind of two years to see a judge. It's a lot quicker and it's a lot more efficient. Um, but yeah, so PAX is my own idea. I've, I've been working on, on PAX probably about maybe six months um, developing the idea. And um Basically, PAX is um, it's it's what I call a peer-to-peer -peer legal system, um, where you know it has you know identity and reputation, and uh, people can you know who have their kind of verified identities they can go into contracts with each other. Um, so I think this is probably going to be useful for you know things like like what you mentioned with the gig economy, but also like what we're hoping to do in Chile as well. And this is kind of one of the things that's quite interesting for people who are interested in governance is um, 
you know, to establish real world communities that are backed by by smart contracts. So like in, you know, the initial experiment in Chile that we're kind of hoping to run alongside of, of the course is this idea of hubs where people can um, can become, uh, you know, legal citizens or, you know, can become attached to a particular hub and they can start companies that are, you know, basically in the form of DAOs or, you know, you know smart contract back comp- companies. Um, so that's what I mean by kind of high trust in the sense that you can have, um, you can use Ethereum to build real world communities where people can um, become citizens, they can start companies. Um, you can create things like, you know, basic dividend systems that, that are backed by smart contracts. So, um, so yeah, Chile is the first kind of testing ground for PAX. I mean, I haven't really um, done that much in the way, in the way of, of, uh, of, you know, publicity or anything like that. So I've been kind of working on this for the last few months, but um, yeah, so basically the goal is to disrupt governance, to create um, a new legal system um you know that works kind of that where people can set up a hub like in their own their own country or like wherever they happen to be um it fits into the tax as a whole which is kind of decentralized as a whole but um but it's mostly cent- centered around kind of these kind of semi-autonomous hubs uh, that people can become members of in the real world uh, but but they can also use it use the kind of the platform itself like for for contracts um you know, for going into contracts for to set up companies and, and to, to kind of be in the gig economy as well. You know, that that uh that plays well without going into the, the rabbit hole that is identity, but this is a really neat experiment in how blockchain is changing the way we deal with what our online identity is. With sure. you being able to yeah. join a business or start a business in a country that you're not a resident in while it's maintaining a, you know, maybe a digital residency in that country. Well, yeah. And there's a few, few ideas that, 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 um, that we've been working on. One's the idea of, of web citizenship, which is that, you know, you can have a real proven identity, um, but you can also have, you know, other personas that are kind of attached to the identity so that that work in a particular context and it can have its own reputation and it can have its own, um, you know, status in like in, in one particular environment. Um, so like you can use, you can use the blockchain to kind of, um, instead of having, you know, hundreds of different accounts and different logins, different passwords, um, potentially we could have a world where you could just log in with your private key into your browser. And it could almost be like, you know, walking through a street where, you know, you're yourself, but, but, you know, when you go to different sites you're registered with, you know, that detects that you're, um, you, you know, if you have your persona, if you've if you've kind of re- put your registered your persona, um, so it, it just makes things a lot easier. And um, I think that's probably I think you're going to see a, a lot of that happening, which is that not so much that you have um, your repetitions of different different personas and identities, um, but with like the blockchain, you can have um, a persona, and then you can use that persona or, or different aliases of. Uh, like attached to on, on like online as well. You know, this is, this, I think about a year ago, there's been a massive shift with uh, large companies almost completely dismissing blockchain technology. And now they're, you know, we're starting to see them come online and, and, and especially integrating with Ethereum and, and, at various levels and private blockchains and Bitcoin as well. Why do you think people are starting to catch on now as opposed to earlier when they kind of dismissed it so quickly? 
I think it's the same with any technology. Um, in the early days of 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 anything, really, you have the pioneers and you have people who are um, maybe experimenting with it, who are who are doing things like that. And, and I suppose there's a kind of um, you know a kind of a social proof element, which is that they want to you know people want to sort of stay behind and see what mistakes are made and what happens, and and then when things look to be um, working out better, then they'll they'll, they'll get involved. I think there's, um, you know, with Bitcoin, uh, I mean, Bitcoin, I, I first got into Bitcoin probably 2013 and um, it was probably Ethereum. I got into it in 2015, but, um, you know, the early days of Bitcoin, um, that that was pretty much like, it was almost, if you talk to anyone in in, in finance, like they just, they just uh, automatically kind of laugh it off and they dismiss it. But um, I mean, these days you're seeing a lot more kind of openness as, as you get more adoption. Um, you know, different platforms who are, um, you know, have Bitcoin payments that are enabled. I think uh, Ethereum, um, I think I think Ethereum has a lot more interest. I, I mean, there was, there's, um, you know, with smart contracts, I think you can, um, there's there's a lot more you can do. you can do everything that Bitcoin can do, but but there's also a lot more functionality. I think you're seeing a lot more interest with it as well. Mort, you feel the same way? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not on the technical side, so for me, what it looks like is more that, um, yeah, like Philip said, is with any technology, it takes a while to catch on, but uh, at some point, they just can't ignore six billion dollars uh, market cap. Uh, and kind of just drag it off um, because that would mean that they will miss out potentially and so the fear of loss becomes larger than uh, the fear of making mistakes and that's when they start to get in and also Ethereum has a, a fantastic team uh, in the foundation that has done uh, that has attracted people from many different areas actually like Joseph Lubin uh, from the financial world um, many of the developers have uh, come from corporate backgrounds as well so they bring with them not only their skills but also their networks and their um, their connections to people in the established industries and so uh, once people saw them leave and do this new thing they asked themselves okay maybe i should pay some attention to it and then ask my friend uh, what he's doing there so i think that's that's how that goes but even so just to echo what you said earlier in this interview like it, it's so new that like people they can create anything in this course and i really think that's the exciting thing here is that people can really build something and get a job so like for instance you can have like a poker website all right and then it could be a decentralized platform for playing online poker with real money except now it leverages ethereum blockchain technology to provide the first online poker experience where players never have to deposit money on a site the cards are cryptographically secure i mean you can use this knowledge in this course to create anything um so i mean the sky's the limit so as a i guess as a curator and philip as an instructor here this might be a broad question but what advice would you give to the people enrolling here to get the most out of these eight weeks yeah from my perspective uh i would just say um do a lot of stuff (laughs) i mean it's quite quite simple but um get into it and start building a portfolio. I mean, that's that's usually the, the same thing with every coder, but if you don't have any work to show, then people will not be able to know whether you have anything uh, worth paying for. And so the course itself will give them the platform to build those first projects 
um, put them on GitHub, uh, make them available to the public, and then that way start building reputation um, and make themselves attractive for future employers or even potential business partners. I mean, we, we definitely want to encourage them to not only think in terms of where can I get the next job, but rather where's the, the next opportunity that will give me the most leverage or, or the most optionality that I can because that that's more the definition of wealth that I follow, that how much, how many options does this, this other thing give me over what I'm doing right now? Yeah, and I think one of the things that we're going to do is is we're going to have a look at, at a lot of the projects that are already successful on Ethereum and we're going to learn as much as possible from that. So I think that's that's always a good principle to follow, which is, you know, look at what's already been done and see what's successful. And, and, um, and you know, so, you know, for example, the DAO, we'll study the DAO, we'll study Digix. Um, and actually, some when you mentioned poker, there's a couple of, of um, you know, if you're studying smart contracts, there's a couple of, you know, really good kind of... Uh, different games uh, that you know that, that are on ethereum and that we can um that we can help so yeah i think instantiation which is you know just just do as many projects as possible um you know learn by doing uh you know that's that's really the best way to learn anything if 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 uh, but also i think have a clear idea of of what it is that you want to get out of the course so um as i said before like some people are interested in in particular areas you know governance iot mining um so we, we, you know, we try and cover as kind of broad an area as possible, like so that everyone has a kind of a, you know, pretty much a basic idea of like most areas, but then they can really specialize in their own area as well. Did you guys see the Ether King? No, I, I was I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those games on the Ethereum blockchain uh, where people they basically just send money to the contract. Uh, and then they become the Ether King, so they they have to send the highest amount of everybody, <laughs> and then oh, wow. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. they they become Ether they lose, Ether. yeah, they lose, but they get the money from the next one who pays for it. And oh, wow. uh, and actually, there's um, when we mentioned the, the, on the one hand, yeah, you can um, I think you can use a course to build a portfolio, um, look for an internship, look for an internship, look for a job. Um, but I think there's a, a great opportunity, I think, in Exosphere to really find other people um, that you'd like to build a startup with. So if, if you want to work on Ethereum and you want to find people who, um, you know, can work on the front end or who can build kind of front end applications and then you can deal with the Ethereum side. Um, so I think there's there's um, a huge opportunity on that side as well, kind of on the entrepreneurial side. And we've, we've actually had some inquiries from... Um, you know, from people who are looking to, like, from in the outside world, who are interested in, in, um, in hiring people, but also like, who are interested in starting up businesses, um, you know, startups like out of out of Exosphere at the end. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. huge huge opportunity on yeah. the website. We've had uh, in, quite a few people approach us and ask, okay, how can I work with your students? Like, how can I? Uh, can I maybe have somebody of them contact me and then build something while they're at the course and then I can pay them for that? Or how can I get in touch with them after they've completed the program? So uh, quite a few people are just in the space. And what I see right now when I look online, I don't really find any other courses out there. Like I find online courses where people have put together a lot of material, have presented it well, and then people can buy that course. Uh, or there's more the high-end course where... Uh, the, the kind of the consulting companies are offering comp other companies to learn about blockchain in like a half day or day format um, and then charge a lot of money for that to kind of give the basics 
to decision makers, but I haven't really seen much uh, movement in the space of for individuals or for individual employees to learn really the skill itself. It seems like everybody is still very much uh, left to their own devices if they want to learn and get into this technology. You well, know, there's there's uh, a lot of things around there's a lot of things around Ethereum as well. You know, whether it's it's um, you know uh, you know, IPFS or Web three JS, and there's a lot of different technologies around it. And I think you do need um, you know at least a month or two to really master everything and to kind of get a good sense of of how to put it all together. And so it's not just I think some of these kind of one day courses, uh, you know, a lot of it's just maybe you know learning Solidity and some of the you know contract language. But when it comes to you know, taking all those skills and putting it together and, and, you know, to build something that that's, that's useful. I think that's something that you need a little bit of time and you need to practice on it as well. For sure. I think you guys speaking to what you recently said that there's nothing really like this and that um, companies are already talking to you, trying to find out how to, how do they talk to your graduates? Uh, you can, <laughs> you're in a really good position to um, kind of leverage yourself and maybe work with these companies as uh, mentors in terms of you know uh, producing really good students who work with these companies through the program that then may right. sponsor the program some way or some you know somehow uh, this is kind of similar to how data science um, teaching academies uh, one in particular that comes to mind I, I think it's considered the gold standard called insight data science where you essentially mentor with um, a lot of the leading data science companies as a what they consider a postdoctoral fellowship. So it's paid for. And then they give you a round of interviews with the companies that you work for. And so right. because you're offering such a comprehensive class, you've kind of put yourself in a position to do the same or at least provide the students that are the rate limiting factor to the development of the, of the network in, in particular. Right. I mean, with the academy itself, like this this version of how we are doing the academy with the streams and these different areas, like we have biohacking, design, coding, philosophy even, and Ethereum, as I said, um, like we haven't proven this model yet. So actually we are still, we are, we're always changing up how we're doing things because we're learning from the last uh, option and so, or the last uh, program or the instance. And so we are, we're having to find out whether this model actually works because the dynamics are a little bit different from the previous ones where people were mostly just a participant in the overall program. Um, and so we, we have to prove this model and then we can actually go from there and, as you said, uh, build out the more uh, permanent relationships with companies that are looking for this kind of talent and then offer them opportunities to get in touch with them and maybe even pay for them. I mean, there are multiple models out there and uh, I'm also taking uh, a little bit of advice or I'm looking also at Praxis. Have you heard of Praxis? They are more the kind of the entrepreneurship uh, thing. No, I haven't. Okay, Praxis is um, discoverpraxis.com. Um, they are doing a marvelous program where they they give people a kind of an internship with, uh, I think it's 35 hours or 30 hours a week uh, where they uh, right hand, they, where they are the right hand to a um, business leader, an entrepreneur or, or the, the CEO of a company, uh, learn from them and, and do work in a real company, learn how to create value. And then at the same time, they are doing an online, uh, an online program that is not, uh, not accredited, but that gives them a lot of the um, kind of knowledge about philosophy, psychology, economics, um, science, all these different areas that they need. Basically, it's a whole humanities degree 
uh, and at the same time they're also learning by doing. So this kind of model I'm taking a lot um, as a as kind of a role model, and I'm I'm looking to see whether we can also work with them in the future and kind of uh, do the, a similar kind of thing. I'm really looking forward to see how this works out and how things go. Um, this is something that I think the the whole blockchain space really needs, and uh, uh, it will benefit greatly from having a good, solid coursework come from it. I mean, I guess I'm a little biased. I come from academia, so I feel coursework <laughs> I is almost say, necessary. Yeah. Uh, but we have uh, one last question sure. we'd ask all of our guests, and I guess we'll ask it each for, for both of you. Uh, in 10 words or less, can you describe Ethereum? Hmm. Philip, you. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you first. Pack. Pack. <laughs> I'm just gonna go for um, uh, smartphone for blockchain, maybe. <laughs> Can you add an answer <laughs> with maybe question mark? Turn around on you. I would describe it as. Um, um, yeah, the next frontier for how society organizes itself. I don't know. That's a good one. Right. It's more, more than 10, 10 words, I think. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> well, it you feel any Almost everyone goes more than 10 words, especially for yeah. Ethereum because it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's it's more complicated than Bitcoin. It's not just money. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, the, I mean, I think Vitalik even said, um, compared it to a smartphone, um if you think of of the way there was a lot of different blockchains, you know, you had Bitcoin for money and you had Namecoin for uh, DNS. Um, it was the idea of of you know you had a calculator and you have a, a diary and you have different different blockchains for different purposes. Whereas Ethereum, it's almost like having a smartphone where you can have different apps on the smartphone that can do the calculator, that can do you know the note taking, that can do different different functions. Um, but but these are like different apps that you can use like just on the one the one blockchain. So I think that's that's where that that's where that comes from. All right, you get to build out your answer. Well done. <laughs> I, I mean, I myself, I want to see how they are going to solve the problem of scalability and uh, and privacy. I mean, that's still something that's out uh, that where the jury is still out. And so I I, I really root, I'm rooting for them that they're going to figure that out. But that's still something that people need to need to know when they're getting into this. That's definitely true. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We we really appreciate you all talking to us and explaining what's going on and, and uh, uh, kind of giving us a little glimpse into the future of, of, of Ethereum and blockchain. We'd love for you guys to come back too. Absolutely. Oh, yes. This was yeah, fun. Let's do it again. All right. Uh, thank you very much. All right, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I just want to let you guys know that they both dropped out of university and look at them. They're doing big things. So if you quit school, um, you don't necessarily have to stay in school. Not in this era. You can still do crazy cool things. So don't feel bad and don't listen to your mom. All right. Um, (laughs) uh, And then there's something that was bugging me. I was like, man, if if these two guys like make it big, like who would play them in a movie and Philip Saunders, like Channing Tatum. But then I was like, who would play Moritz? And I was thinking about it all day. And if anybody cares, I'm picking Anton Yelchin. I don't know who that is. Who's that? Uh, he's in the new Star Trek film. He was in Terminator Salvation, Charlie Bartlett. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I like doing that. If you come on our show and you have a cool product, I'm going to cast you in a movie. I'm going to pick <laughs> the actors. Well, I think uh, I'd be happy if you chose either one of those dudes for me. So. Yeah. Well, Conor McGregor is going to play you in whatever you choose to do. 
I'm cool with that. And it's going to go straight to DVD. Next to Time Cop. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's there's a few things that I wanted to, I guess, point out after that interview. And I kind of touched on it during the interview. So we have this new innovation, which is, you know, I guess you can call it in a, in a, in a roundabout phrase blockchain technology and whatever that phrase turns out to be in the future you understand what i mean it's this distributed ledger technology and open sourced there's no centralization it's mainly the focus is a decentralization and redoing the internet without central servers and also allowing a value transfer along with that and what we're seeing is that development in this space is very difficult because you have to think about making an application that works on in this way, which is contrary to the majority of the education that we've received about making applications because they're just they perform very differently. So it's very hard to visualize how to do something in in this space through the lens of traditional knowledge of creating applications. And on top of that, the Bitcoin programming language is makes it even more difficult to write programs because it's just not, I don't know, it's not a scripting language, so it's somewhat unintuitive to write something. You know, to, and we'll see innovation in that area where you have um, programming languages on top that wrap around the main core protocol that allow you to kind of intuitively make programs. But... Ethereum stepped in and has Solidity, a programming language that's really easy to get started in creating development. And what these guys have done is they've created a training course to help to get people really comfortable with the Solidity programming language and how to create decentralized applications. So how to get their idea into the framework of a distributed decentralized medium. And that's a really, really, really important step for the development of the entire space. So, like, think about it this way. Um, we can't have innovation if we don't have developers to create the products that innovate. Just having the technology itself or the tool itself exist isn't enough. And so our limiting factor is people creating things, making new use, new use cases for the general public to be like, oh, I want to use that because it makes my life easier. If there's nobody who's able to create those products who understand how to write good programs, good efficiently used programs, then there can be no innovation. So Ethereum is a really, really, really good first step for getting developer, developers into the space and spending more time thinking about how to do this properly. And as time goes on, they can then use that experience to work on all blockchains, more Bitcoin, because it's a little more difficult to implement things. And I think that's what we're going to end up seeing. How do you, mm. Does that make sense, Cello? Yeah, and then I also, to add on to that, there, there are tons of free resources online on how to program in all kinds of languages, but there's not that many on how to program Solidity. So if you're thinking, well, what do I need this class for? I can just use a free resource online. <laughs> And also, if you want to get into development at all, I would go ahead and learn one of the big ones, something along the lines of C++ or, or Java or maybe even Python, because learning how to program is more important than the language you initially learned. Well, we're so, seeing, what we're seeing, yeah, the, the, the language in which you use has a lot to do with how you think about programming. 
um, if you learn, I learned Fortran. That was my first, I guess I learned C++, but my, the majority of my programming education is in Fortran, which is a really, really low level languages language. You have to care about how your memory is allocated, what each variable is and what it's doing exactly. And with a lot of the higher level languages like JavaScript and, and, uh, like Python, you don't give a shit about what your variable is, how it's allocated, where the memory access, what happens when you close the program, if you have memory leaks, all those things are taken care of by the compiler and the programming language. So how you do programs in different languages really matters based on the efficiency of that program. Um, and so, but other languages allow you to do things much more simpler and, and easier and so on and so forth. So our limiting factor of programming nowadays is the efficiency of your program because it has to scale across many, many, many processors. And with blockchain, it has to be distributed and not rely on a single uh, server or a platform to work on. It has to work everywhere. So what we're seeing is because we don't have um, enough programmers who understand this, we need organizations like this to spend more time focusing on how you program or how you think about these problems, really get to the bottom of what you're trying to do, and then pick a tool to do it, which will be Solidity or Bitcoin language or anything wrapped around these two languages to then make your application. And that's why these things like these are more important. Anybody can learn a language, but to understand how to properly implement that language to solve a problem is very difficult. And that's kind of the point that I want to get at to make sure that people understand that. Um, yeah, take your time and learn how to program. So I don't think I could have said it any better than you did. Right, so that's that's kind of the, the main thing I wanted to get at at the end of, of that show to kind of drive home that point. I think it's really important what these guys are doing and how they're doing it. Um, they're going to end up, I think, and like they could, they may have poised themselves to be the manufacturer of good developers in the space, which is what I think is our rate limiting factor. What's keeping us from becoming more and more popular in the mainstream? So, for sure, let's uh, let's wrap it up on that. You can find us on Twitter yeah. at the BTC Podcast. Uh, all of us interact with that that Twitter handle quite a bit so you can talk to any one of us along with it um, you can find us on iTunes um, pretty much anywhere you get podcasts you can find us uh, check out our blog on Medium at the Bitcoin Podcast blog we tend to write quite a few things I'm working on another DAO blog right now along with one that's trying to give a lesson of um, a lesson of transcendence through a an idea in quantum mechanics which I think will be pretty interesting other than that you know where For to sure. find us escrow your shit at escrowmybits.com uh, watch time cop watch time cop watch bloodsport give us your opinion on which one's best and there is cello's babies play the outro <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>